Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. Well, that means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Uh, let's start the show. Okay, Sean. This this week, um, uh, Max Max has returned. He went to the uh, the Middle East of, of America, um, and uh, is is back now. Um, and he's oh. he's come back at a good time because uh, we are going to talk about um, uh, we we all cook a little bit here and there, and one thing that traditionally has been a way to augment that experience and, and really guide you are uh, cookbooks. Yes, that is that is correct. And uh, we have, I guess, both of us have recently purchased some cookbooks. And um, mm-hmm. you know, Max has his. I, I remember you getting really excited when you got the joy of. It's called the joy of cooking, right? Yeah. Um, and, and getting that, uh, and and I think for all of us, it's it's a nice thing to do. But there's a, I feel like there's a certain level of, uh, you know, taking the next step in the relationship when you get a cookbook. Am, am I wrong in saying that? Like, it's, it's a thing. Uh, oh. No, you're not wrong at all. Uh, because my relationship with cookbooks is uh, that I have them and I don't use them. Okay. So I think that that's the, the use of cookbooks is, is maybe, maybe what we're going to talk about most mm-hmm. here. I have a couple. I don't have that many. Um, I, I just mentioned to you the other day that I know somewhere, and maybe my mom got rid of it, there's a Paul Prudhomme cookbook uh, that, that has been used over the years by my family that I would like to acquire because it has recipes in it mm-hmm. that I'm interested in. And they're actually not allowed on the internet anymore because there's so much fat and butter in them. But <laughs> um, uh, rest in peace, Chef Paul, by the way. Um, we Louisianans know what's up. Yeah, I uh, for a, I, I took a class. I took a class in high school that was uh, it was like a, a, a narrow topic focused English class mm-hmm. on Louisiana literature, and our like we had a final project that entailed, um, you know, some sort of uh, production of a piece of Louisiana culture, and I. Uh, I pushed very hard to acquire a the like the Creole cookbook by Chef John Fulce, which is oh uh, he used to have sim- a TV show, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, similar to the Joy of Cooking is um sufficiently large and weighty enough that you could inflict serious injury on someone with it. Yeah, uh, or like use it, you know, to use it like as a, a a press if you were trying to flatten something in a pan um, <laughs> yeah what, what is that effective for that yeah well i mean that's a that's a that's definitely a recipe that i've never made but maybe i can i have it available it's a uh, chicken under a brick or whatever yeah. but chicken under a cookbook might be better <laughs> right. um no i, I so, so i push for that to make jambalaya mm-hmm. for 
for the class, like for the presentation day. Yeah. Did did that go through? Were you? It was fantastic. It was really good, and I, I used it actually one time. I think when I came home, uh, like for a break during college, like I actually made that. I made the same recipe for like a family gathering. Oh, uh, that's that's good. I, yeah, sure that it, it was very good. Uh, that's the only recipe from that book that any of us have ever used. Huh. <laughs> uh, but. Um, are are you not a fan of jambalaya? Oh, okay. I see what you're laughing at. Well, the the other thing is is I've I've heard of that cookbook. I feel like cookbooks are there's a certain set of people that, uh, you know, the joy of cooking. Um, what's Julia Child's cookbook called? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Is it just like the French cookbook? Yeah, it's called the French Kitchen, maybe. Yeah, that might be it. But that but sounds- there are. I'll put the intern on the case, and and that's that's a thing with with I think with cookbooks is there is a there there are some that are kind of part of the as we've used before the cultural the cultural canon the cultural canon it's these are these are known things and they are important I, I even think uh, this was a slightly different time um, not that long ago but some of Emerald's earlier cookbooks were things people knew about they were in the public. I, but anymore with, I think the advent of the internet and even Food Network putting the recipes online, you lose the the value of cookbooks a little bit. So going back to what we started with is why even use them anymore? Um, so I don't know that, I, I don't know that I agree that having, I see what you're saying. I, and you're, you're probably right that having access to recipes, including some of these recipes that are in, you know, famous or, or as you would say, notable cookbooks, uh, sort of uh, devalues the need to have the book as a receptacle, like as a place for all of the recipes to be collected together. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, from an experience standpoint, um, I, I think there's probably a, a feeling that there's something different about, you know, taking the time to prepare a meal like with a cookbook on a stand held open to a certain page that isn't necessarily there if you like you know if you print something out on a sheet of computer paper or or you know or worse if you uh have your computer on the counter in the kitchen with you yeah uh i think so another thing is is cookbooks are not just recipes they are there's pros in cookbooks and some that um, I, Some. well, the ones, the ones I purchased have, have the, the good ones, right? The good ones, the yeah. good ones. And that's, that's really what we're talking about. The, the ones that are 500 recipes of 500 calories of, or less, very practically, you know, very relevant. And that could be very good for you. Um, and I would certainly get recipes from that, but I'm not going to allocate my resources to get that because I, I want something that tells a story, you know, What's the cultural impact of that? I don't know. It's not as great as I have the Nordic cookbook, and that gives me a window into a culture that I was really unfamiliar with. Why, mm-hmm. why, why do they cook different things? What is available to them? That's important. And the same thing with Julia Child. I'm sure when she first released her cookbook, that was really a, a fascinating thing because mm-hmm. her, people – Mastering the art of French cooking. Yeah. 
Um, because that is for people who were cooking in, in America at that time, I think her show, her kitchen, which is preserved at the American History Museum in, in DC, um, this was a window into something that they had had not done before. I, I know even Deadspin mm-hmm. does a series from, I forget which cookbook, but they make really weird recipes from it. It might be one of those Julia Child cookbooks, but or it might be The Joy of Cooking. That's one of the two. Um, but it, it is a window into other cultures, and there has to be an explanation behind that. And so when there is the explanation with the recipe, uh, I, I, I really appreciate that because um, then I'm not just – you know, following directions, I'm, I'm thinking about why I'm doing what I'm doing. I think you're absolutely right there. You know, your example of 500 recipes with 500 calories or less, like that's a, that's someone's Pinterest board. That's not a, that's not a cookbook. That the book part is really important there. Um, I, I, we both just obtained appetites, the new, it's an Anthony Bourdain cookbook. Mm-hmm. And I, I had been, I'm in a bit of an Anthony Bourdain phase right now. I've been watching episodes of Parts Unknown on Netflix. And yeah. uh, the, I think as we record this, at least, uh, the book came in like two days ago. And I've been pretty gripped by it because, you know, he talks about some of the stuff about his life as a chef. And, you know, I, it's it really is more than just how to make black bean soup. Yeah, and I mean – the the pros in that uh, he <laughs> well for those I, I think it's pro- I think it's the best selling cookbook on Amazon right now. Um, he starts off you know with some very I I thought very powerful mentions of, of fatherhood and and I really yeah uh, enjoyed that a lot. Uh, but he starts talking about breakfast, and he's so very, I, I think, irreverent <laughs> is the right word. He's like, that is the perfect word. Yeah, he, he's like, and he's in, that is, that's him. That is on brand for him, and I am appreciative of that. Uh, but he's kind of like, you know, this is how you make eggs. If Jacques Pepin tells you that this is how you make eggs, that's how you fucking make eggs. Like, it's just, right. um, you know, why are you listening to me? This is This is how I do it, but... Um, eggs, eggs are both extremely difficult and not hard at all, which, and to to, to talk about, and to explain that without a recipe, well, that's a, a kind of tangential topic, but without a, without a formal recipe, he kind of says, these are, these are the motions I go through, but I'm not going to tell you how many eggs to use or whatever. Just, just do it. It's, it's almost like an expectation of, of second nature. That's very different than the you know, the Pinterest board that you mentioned. Yes. And, and so you mentioned without a formal recipe, and that definitely is a, a tangent into something else that we have talked about a few times before, um, about what constitutes a recipe. Yes. Um, because we have differing views on this. Yeah. I think, and as we talk about cookbooks, one thing I consider as it relates to that, is that um, in these cookbooks, it, it might be a recipe. It's a set of directions, which I think is, is a recipe, a, a fairly strict set of directions. Mm-hmm. But in a cookbook, because there is prose attached to it, even if it's spare, even if it's not that much. I mean, I think back to my parents had a bunch of Emerald cookbooks and a lot of them, I mean, I enjoyed them a lot. Uh there is a bit of a discussion that you're having with the the person writing the book. And sometimes you don't get that on these internet 
things or right. as as we've kind of talked about before there's all this prose that they write and then the recipe is at the bottom and i always scroll through it um, <laughs> yeah it's an excuse to like show off all the pictures of the new stuff you got from the williams cinema yeah and they're like oh yeah my my partner and i were in the mood for this but the grocery store was closed it's like that's a fine story but i am just there for the recipe because i'm not giving it the same respect that i'm giving the cookbook because there's there is some level of admiration and respect for whoever's cookbook you purchase or or that topic or something um mm-hmm. and and that discussion, it's still, I'm not saying it's not a recipe, not at all, because it is a recipe, but there's something um, more enriching about that conversational aspect that, that it almost rises above a recipe for me. Yeah, so I, I guess maybe it's not even a matter of us really having differing definitions of a recipe mm-hmm. as we just sort of look at what the key part of the definition is differently. I think the the true so I for the record I am accepting that my my conception of a recipe is not the official conception. Your yours I think is is much broader than mine. Uh yes, it your, is. so I've there's a series on uh Food 52 which is a website I go to a lot for recipes and they yeah. also write stuff they wrote about cow burps recently and that sounds stupid but Calburps are an environmental consideration. Um, and so they, they also write about that. But I, I'll i go there for Strictly Recipes, and they have a Not Recipes series. And they actually have an app, which is, is called Not Recipes. And it's a I don't use it that much, but it's a it's a right. enjoyable they call, they call app. Us, so like Cooking Without a Recipe, and Bon Appetit does that, too. And I, <laughs> I Max, argue... Max, what did you say about Bon Appetit's approach to that? You you said that it was just that they it wasn't in their normal format of recipes and that's what made it not yeah, a recipe. It's just their fucking recipe. They just took that... the recipe and put it into a paragraph as if like right. as if it's free flowing, but it still said exactly like how much of exact ingredients to use. I'm like that's you've just made a recipe harder to follow. That's all you've done. So <laughs> I I th- I think that what the a lot of the not recipe things do is is that they allow you to and Sean I I. I I anticipate your counter to this. We're getting right into my wheelhouse. Yeah, here. which is they are trying to get you to not in future just be able to do it without looking at, in my case, the index card. Just sure. be able to to kind of uh, mechanically make it again. And and I, I think what you would probably say is, but then you know you read a recipe one time and then you kind of remember how you did it and you start doing it and it, it's there. Um, I just think that there is a different approach when you say this is these are things to keep in mind, like have broader. To, these are the things that you do. Yeah, I that's I think that's maybe fair. I would almost think about it more less as we want to. Jesus, God, is there an entire biker gang going by my window? Again, um, what did my? I have very thin windows, so uh, the. The street traffic on the uh, relatively major thoroughfare outside uh, mm-hmm. is very loud. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a problem in the morning. Yeah, uh, but to to reroute back to back to the topic at hand, uh, I, I would say that the point of cooking without recipes, etc., is maybe less. We want to prepare you to be able to uh, sort of mechanically 
prepare this again just like you did the first time from rote memory and more we're trying to demonstrate that there are places where there can be some variability in how you make a dish so that you you know the bullet points the the key so the key components and then next time when you make this again maybe you think about whether to use uh, a, a different spice than say cumin yeah and that that to me like that's how i cook i i read you know if i do read a recipe i i rarely so even if I'm going to cook from a recipe, I rarely wind up doing it exactly 100% to the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. I, I do, you know, little small variations here and there. Uh, the, this is supposed to have some spicy, tangy flavors. It doesn't have cider vinegar in the recipe. Well, I'll I'll add a couple dashes in. Um, because I, I really like having a finished product that's that I can claim as mine. I think that's probably part of it. Um, but so, so Max mentioned lists of exact ingredients yeah, and quantities and that, so that's where we get to the split about what the key part of the definition of recipe is. To me, it's uh, instructions, guidelines, whatever on how to prepare food so that's why to me something like food 52's not a recipe slate is, is just their recipes mm-hmm. but the more formal uh traditionally accepted definition of the word recipe it requires the listing of the ingredients and their exact quantities not only in in the statement of how you make the food but separate like as its own list as well. So I, I'm accepting that I'm sort of going off book here and saying, yeah, this this part of the definition doesn't really matter. But it like it doesn't matter quite so much to me whether I use um you know a a quarter teaspoon of something or half a teaspoon of something. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, man. and I will just say though it is an important distinction to note that cooking is not the same as baking. Yeah, correct. I don't because I don't you bake. probably don't bake a lot, and I bake. I don't bake. That's like more of a, of a science where you're gonna want to, you know. And I have some of my own recipes for baking, but you, you, I have them written down and I follow them to a T. Mm-hmm. So I I think that this is a good transitional point. As you mentioned, recipe shot. For the most part, I think what what we're making um, for to eat. Uh, is frequently, I'm really speaking more for me, but I, I have a window into what you guys are cooking as well, but it's not super intricate stuff. So if I make certain substitutions, it's not going to be penal on the other end for me or whoever is eating it. Uh, but baking is a good example. That's science as opposed to art. Our art, I think that's or, yeah. Or joy, if you will. Oh man! Oh, science can be joyful. Cooking's a joy. Uh, but with something like, I mean, I've looked at stuff in. A lot of times, I'll preempt the recipes I make and say like, uh, that's that's more intricate than I want on Monday night while I'm working out in my apartment." <laughs> um, so, so maybe 
I think that gets back to the the cookbook discussion a little bit is if you're getting a cookbook, there are going to be challenges in there. I mean, I've looked at appetites a little bit and there's some in there that I want to make, but it's going to take a whole Saturday and (laughs) I'm going to have to spend some money to make that. But I think the reward is great. And that's one where I really want to follow it to a T. So this, this comes back to like, what are we using the cookbooks for? Are you are you going to to make some of these more intricate recipes or in Max your case bake some of the more challenging things? Do you do you expect to do that? I mean, Max, you're you bake with some frequency, so I'll I'll put that to you first. Is is that like something that you're aiming for to be able to do? Yeah, definitely. It, like what what in particular? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head for baking. Okay, um, I just but I did n- just get like the the book of roasts. Oh, it's yeah. all Sunday roasts, and I plan on making a bunch of those. And some of them definitely. I mean, roasts are a little bit off because they may take a long time, but a lot of it's inactive time. Yeah. But there's definitely some that are like you know like stuffed, and they've got some involved mm-hmm. pieces. And so, yeah, I, I'm I more ask... curious about Sean's answer to that question. To yeah. be honest, so I'm not. I'm certainly not planning on embarking on a, a quest in which I, I strive to prepare every recipe in Appetites. Um, I think I'm, you know, I'm going to read it cover to cover and probably pick out some things that look interesting and, you know, uh, maybe some, some Saturday, uh, if I'm, uh, you know, don't have anything else to do, um, and, and want to, you know, prepare some, some food, I'll say, Oh, maybe instead of just winging something again, I'll I'll try to make one of these. Yeah. So then just a follow-up, because kind of what Pierce asked, when you do that, do you think mm-hmm. you'll follow that recipe to a T, or do you think you'll still make your own personal changes? Like, is it, do you do you have enough, That's a good I don't want to use the word respect, the but first you, time... do you respect Anthony Bourdain to the point where you're like, no, I don't want to make something that's my own, I want to make something that's his, or are you still going to make changes? And it may I, be... I think the, I think, you know... I don't know that I can say until I go for it. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not really sure. Well, we need to follow uh, up. With, with me, the <laughs> first time I make a recipe, I usually, even if it's a more simple one, I try to stick to it. Unless they're like, oh, throw in some saffron. I'm like, I'm not fucking buying saffron. <laughs> okay? Well, well this let is, me... This is let the me exact just... conversation I had with you yesterday about nutmeg. Yeah. Well, it, let me walk that back. If it calls for saffron... Oh, Max, predictably... Wait, do you not own nutmeg? I can tell... No, I've never bought nutmeg in my entire life. It's like the until first yesterday. In my drawer. Yeah. Uh, I, the thing is, if something calls for saffron, it probably needs saffron in it. And honestly, if it calls for nutmeg, it, there's probably a reason. But, you know, if it says use this vinegar versus the... Like, I made something yesterday. It called for black vinegar. I don't know where to buy that shit. Like, I'm sure it's lovely. I don't know. It's, it's dark-ass vinegar. And I was like, I'm going to use the vinegar. I have like four vinegars as is, but I don't have black vinegar. I, I just, they're all vinegar to me. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the first time I make a recipe, I want to to follow it and then say, you know, I think it could use this or, or, or that. Um, the other thing though is, and I think of this in terms of I got to save the date for a friend's giving um, coming up uh, soon. And one thing I was thinking about is, and we had this discussion earlier this week, uh, for Friendsgiving, I want to make something I'm used to, but there's also something to be said to to make something different and exciting. But 
I don't want it to be the first time I make it necessarily. And if I'm going to make brisket, um, which I'm that's rolling around in my head a little bit, uh, the the pressure's on if I make brisket to to get it right, and I want to make it beforehand. But what am I going to do with like five pounds of brisket? Uh, yeah, Max. Everything, anything. Well, no, no. Uh, Max, Max raised his hand because he expects it. But, but the same. I think this brisket is not a problem. You're treating it like a problem. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's going to be expensive to make brisket. I, I don't know. Maybe. Anyways, that's that's another. But if you're making food like that, you know that there will be return. Um, yeah. Uh, but the first time versus the second time, I think is big, uh, especially with baking, Max. That's what I was going to say. Is I want to know what you plan on baking because I want to have it the second time you make it because I know, especially with science, me knowing nothing of science, um, <laughs> the repeatability of an experiment is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's there's some hesitation and you coming back to cookbooks, you, you get these cookbooks and they've got these awesome recipes in there, but these are people who've made them any number of times and right. that's that's where the conversation comes in, which is you know this this you got to do this you really need to look for it to be this consistency or this color or 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 smell like this um and i think that that's really helpful and you don't always get that from the thing you find on you know food.com or or cooks illustrated or whatever the case may be um so that that's that's what i think about but the other thing and I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, Sean, I have a little more counter space than you, but I don't have a tremendous amount. And mm-hmm. if I've got a big ass cookbook, what do I do with it? So I, I know that I have in my kitchen a uh, relatively limited sort of counter space that is mostly taken up by appliances, be it my toaster oven, which we have discussed at length before. It takes up a fair uh, amount of space, yeah. My coffee maker and grinder, etc. Um, but I have a sort of floating wall shelf mm-hmm. that's at, at like you know reach level, basically, um, and that is where all my cookbooks live. Okay. Now, it, and like bookshelf type, or can you actually lay them down and be able to glance at them? The uh, I'm worried that the shelf is maybe slanted, like tilted a little bit down towards the front. So I didn't stand the books up like a bookshelf. They're actually laying flat and sort of stacked on top of each other. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I've I've definitely utilized a, a been able to utilize a cookbook in my space, but the other thing is they're not cheap, and for me to get a cookbook and to get it dirty, um, I feel kind of I feel kind of bad about that. But I think that there's something um, I, I I like if I look at someone's old cookbook, I like when it's kind of rough around the edges and stuff. There's that, that mm-hmm. worn in feel is, is nice. Yeah. Maxi. Well, that brings up an interesting point of a friend of mine who has a very expensive cookbook series. I, I can't recall the name right now, but the book itself is extremely large mm-hmm. and it's full of these intricate recipes with tons of beautiful pictures and whatnot. 
But when you purchase it, it comes with a second, much smaller book that's mm-hmm. fully laminated and is just the text oh. broken down. So it's like, here's this little laminated book you're supposed to use in your kitchen. And it seems very that's really interesting. Very cool. I I, I will come up with the name before the end of the and show. and I would and I do my note card thing where I write them all on index cards mm-hmm. and put ingredients on one side and directions on the other, which is great. I really enjoy that. But when you a cookbook usually has more intricate recipes, and I can't fit those all on an index card, so I'm being stubborn and uh, unreasonable in that. But I, I mean, but I'd have to stick those two index cards together all the time, and that would get confusing for me. But I, I think that I need to not be so scared of getting the cookbook dirty because cookbooks are usually fairly durable. Though um, I can't. Well, also, the you know the, the point is for them to be used, and, and yeah, you know, if you've got like a little, you know, your your sauce bubbled and and got it, you know some droplets splattered on a page like that's i I just think of that maybe it's because i don't buy like really expensive fancy cookbooks but like to me that's sort of like a badge of honor like it's been used it was you know it it took some shrapnel in the line of duty yeah i mean the appetites wasn't wasn't that expensive in in how much i think i'll enjoy it and the fact that i've never i never directly paid for any of anthony bourdain's work so oh that's not true i well i bought a used book recently so i haven't um so i'm happy to get give him money for the enjoyment he's he's given me um now some cookbooks are so large that they're difficult to have in the kitchen i I don't just mean like the page but my nordic cookbook weighs uh i mean they're most children when they're born weigh way less than that like i think there are some quintuplets that don't weigh as much all told is is this cookbook um so i i think i I think that um the internet has been been rude to cookbooks and food network putting all their stuff online and food network has been really great for giving those chefs who were putting together cookbooks giving them uh you know airtime and and they're becoming stars i mean emerald alton brown uh Paula Dean forever. Bobby Flay. Bobby Flay. In a garden. In a garden. I know it's in a garden. In a garden. No, but they're they they've become stars, and maybe maybe people aren't buying their cookbooks anymore, but they're using their recipes, and they are they're becoming these empires, and that's really great. Um, but maybe we should go back to buying their cookbooks. I don't know. Maybe so. So can I can I reveal my beef with Ina Garden? Uh, you can. I have. I have a beef too, so it's fine. Um, my my beef with the barefoot Contessa is that she is effectively, uh, she is that that style of internet recipe that we both have many strong feelings uh, yeah. about personified. Oh yeah, because she has a cookbook that's that's called Cooking for whatever her husband's name, doesn't she? Like that's that's a big Je- thing. Oh, Je- Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Um. Yeah. What you know? What I'm I'm glad that she has her lane and she yeah, owns absolutely. it, and she's she the seems like she hosts a mean party. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would totally if she invited me. I would totally go to her party. Hell yeah. I just I don't always. Uh, that's not my lane, or at least I don't want to admit to myself that that's my <laughs> lane. Which is uh yeah. So I, I think I'm gonna try to use the 
this cookbook more, this one that we both purchased. And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, Max, you know, your joy of cooking, which is also a very large cookbook, you know, if we can have cookbook timeshares, I think that that would be, (laughs) that'd be great. Uh, I've been lending library. Yeah. And I've been using my Nordic cookbook of late. So, so I think how's the gravlogs? Uh, oh no no! I've I've haven't made anything. I made a cabbage soup that was that was no pretty good. Smoked fish dishes yet? No, like I. But that's part of it. Is you can't even I can't even buy that. I don't know where to buy this shit. I don't. There's not a place for me to buy it because well, I live say, on because you well because you shop at Safeway. Uh, that's n- not the right place to get. I'm I don't think say, Whole like, Foods I'm has it either. Sh- you know, I'm not throwing shade at Safeway, but like that's not the place to get. Exo- you know exotic things it's it's not you're right and so but some you of this could walk into whole foods tomorrow and be like i need these four norwegian things and they'd be like aisle seven i'll it, well part of me thinks that they have some of it but and if they don't have it whole foods i might be able to find it in northern virginia dc but uh i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to walk home because i'm gonna have to pay for it in my car <laughs> um yes all right, so cookbooks cookbooks are good, and we should probably use them more than we are. Is that is that what our all told it is? I think that's probably the consensus. Yeah. Okay, I I feel good about that, and and their literature. I, I really I, that's that's my big thing is I do want to think that yeah. they're part of the cultural canon, and you should you should if someone says oh I'm unfamiliar with that cookbook you you need to respond what how have you never read that oh my god oh my god. Uh... <laughs> Right. Spoiler alert! <laughs> recipe on page seven is delicious. Wait That's till right. you wait till you have the biscuit. Oh fuck! God damn. Um. Well, so that I think is the end of our segment on cookbooks. If you want to tell us about your experiences with cookbooks, uh, whose cookbooks you like, uh, come find us on Facebook and Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod and let us know what you think. And now it's time for our favorite segment, Pierce's Sorry. What do you have this week? Okay, um, this is cooking related. I don't think I've apologized for it before, but it's been like one that's been on my list for a long time. Uh, some time ago, I was uh, making making dinner for someone, and you know, I had I had bought wine, and I had actually gone and said. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to make this. What wine should I get with this? And the whole, how much you want to pay? How do the people eating feel about this? Picked a very nice wine. Had my side dish set up. Everything's good to go. Bought nice, um, bought nice steaks to get with it. Like, you know, went to Whole Foods and and got it. Everything. Everything's ready to go. I've got it. Um, you know, I've 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 put in for this meal. I'm very happy to make it. And I get to the place where I'm making the meal. And, okay, let's assume you don't have a grill. And hopefully you – I don't know if you've done this before, Max, but you have. Well, you've been there when we've done it. Um, if you're making steak inside, what is the best way to make it? Cast iron skillet, finish in the oven. Yeah, correct. And, and motioned that. Yeah, Max motioned that as you <laughs> said it, not knowing you'd say it. Okay, so I know that – Max, this is, this is still an audio medium. Well – it, okay, but I, you were speaking. Added. We yeah. haven't we haven't made the move to video podcast. But we're all in agreement. That is the best do. way to uh, make. A we have to get. We have to get. But we, but we won't do that. Yeah, we have to get the money for the plastic surgery first, and then we'll move to that. Jesus God, um, we gotta get that sponsor cash. At least we have our priorities. Yeah. 
Um, so I I do stovetop finish finish in the oven. Got that down. Uh, I get there, and uh, and the person that I was cooking for also knew this. And I get everything out, and I forgot my cast iron skillet. Oh no! I think I know where this is going. And uh, everything turned out well. It didn't turn out well, but there's a there's a <laughs> there's there's a way that the outside gets when you have cast iron and i failed to do that so uh this week i'm sorry for forgetting my cast iron skillet and everyone should own a cast iron skillet i don't know if you've said that on this podcast before but you should um you're pro cast iron i i thought this was going to go in a direction where you tried to use some other sort of pan oh i i used to burn somebody's apartment down no uh no but I think we never mind. We, I think we've talked about that. That's something that probably merits an apology more than just this steak I made you wasn't quite as good as it could have been. <laughs> but I think I did apologize before for a fire in my apartment that I didn't cause that was started by a cast iron skillet. I, I think we've discussed that before. <laughs> um, it sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, but that's that's been told. Um, so yeah. Cast iron skillets are an important part of my life, and uh, I forgot it in a time of need, and uh, I let someone else down. So don't let other people down. Always have a cast iron skillet. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the way to go. They're they're also good to have around if you don't have like a kettlebell and you're doing squats, uh, doing an at home workout. You should just use a couple of cast iron skillets because they weigh that much, and put a cookbook in it. Put a big ass cookbook in it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Well, I think we'll close the show with, well, maybe we'll close the show with a big idea from pop culture. Do you have anything? Um, so we both bought appetites and, you know, I think that, um, maybe, and that's an Anthony Bourdain product. And, uh, I, I was going to say, we could talk about cookbooks, but what, what is your favorite Anthony Bourdain thing of his, you know, his whole all the stuff he's done he's he's an author he's a television show host he's obviously a a chef has been a chef is no longer a chef but is always a chef i mean i think it's probably i'm not i'm actually not that familiar with most of his work Mm -hmm. um but i've been uh i've been watching parts unknown um the last week or so and and have really enjoyed that you know he he gets out into the world and and goes to fascinating places and talks to fascinating people um about food but also about their way of life and and, and how how the place where they are impacts that and that's been really neat um very much enjoyed this episode from I think it's from the first season uh, where he goes through Quebec with the two the uh, two guys behind Joe Beef yeah and they just the the sheer amount of mind blowingly incredible food just the finest wines you can think of uh, in a shack in a shack. On a train, like during a a hockey game, like a you know an outside pickup hockey game, like yeah. it, it's amazing. Uh, but what I was really struck by is 
how the Joe Beef guys go around. They always have the following three things with them. Black truffle, a truffle shaver, and a small jar of foie gras. I so I would I would not be averse to carrying around a jar of foie gras at all times because it's my favorite food. Um, but and I believe the truffle shaver is an antique. I, I think it is. But um, yeah, no, that's that's incredible. The other series I would recommend the first season of which is streaming on Amazon or at least it was is a Cook's Tour, which is from 2002, and it's a series of 30 minute shows that he did. And so this is from going on 15 years ago now it was probably shot 15 years ago um for like the new york times channel or something like that uh but so it's him as a much you know as a younger man um you know with his his hair is still mostly darker um and he's he's ambling around various places in tokyo and then southeast asia and he has some chef friends that join him in Portugal. He also goes to, I think, my favorite episode he's ever done in anything, which is he goes to San Sebastian in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it's it's great because he wrote a book that went with it, a cook's tour. Um, and it you get the sense that this is a lot of these places he's going to for the first time. And he's learning his his character as a TV host. And you yeah. see it develop, and you can appreciate that now as you watch older stuff. But it's you really get a sense of this is someone who is very knowledgeable about food, and mm-hmm. they are exploring new foods in new places, and their the curiosity is is real. And there's there's something that uh, is very uh, I don't know I, I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, man, food shows are awesome. Yeah, Mind of a Chef is great. <laughs> David Chang is the man. Yeah. That's pro- I I think we should maybe go like who's your favorite celebrity chef? I think mine is David. Oh, uh, that's that's hard because uh, I was in a household where like uh, Emerald Live was on every night for like five years. Wow. Yeah, uh, my dad watched that constantly. Okay. Um, I I as I mentioned, I have some love for Paul Prudhomme. Um, there's nothing other than Bourdain that I watch frequently, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't. I, I've always been taken by Alton Brown, just just the way his show was shot, and his yeah. his approach to it all was 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 really great. But I, I don't know, maybe I don't watch as much cooking as as others do. I bought the Nordic Cookbook and have subsequently watched the Chef's Table for for uh, that guy who's uh, Magnus Nielsen, I believe, at Favakin, um, and that's really cool. But I don't I, I don't have the you know quick who's my favorite as much. All right, fair enough. Mac, you do you have one? Uh, no. I tend not to watch cooking shows that often so because they I don't make really... me really hungry, and then I overeat. <laughs> That's smart. That's why. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I I don't really watch them that often. I just love, I, I love David Chang because I watched that that season of Mind of a Chef, and and yeah. he has a. Uh, I think for a time, at least, he had a, a, a pretty regular column in GQ. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I got exposed to him sort of as a, a personality. He was on, uh, I think he did like a Bill Simmons podcast one time. Um, cool dude. Yeah, in my house growing up, we watched a lot of Iron Chef, and that was pre mm-hmm. Iron Chef America. 
So, you know, I like Morimoto, but I don't know. Oh, I mean, Jacques Pepin is, is great, too, and, and he and Julia Child, I think, are, like, the classic examples. Um, but, you know, we live in a, a different era when there's the food networkification of, of all that. Um, right. And, listen, you know, you know, there's, I think there's really only one real answer, because uh, they really represent America as a whole, someone who's had many different careers, has has uh, come back from, you know, adversity. And the answer is Martha Stewart. She went to jail. I know. I thought you were going to say Guy Fieri. No, get the fuck out of here. God <laughs> damn really it. I thought you were leading up to a, to a Guy Fieri introduction. No, no. Uh, uh, no. It's Martha Stewart. She was a, she was a model. Yes. And yeah, then she's... she's she then she had an empire of food. Then she went to jail for, I don't Does know. She qualify like as a, a chef though. She she's in she's everything. A, she's a professional homemaker, and homemaking involves cooking. Yeah. Okay. I don't. know. I feel like calling a homemaker calling her a homemaker is kind of disrespectful because she's she she. But that's her brand, isn't it? I don't mean that. I, in a yeah, I guess so. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're you're not wrong, but she's she's even more than that. Unless that term is just become anyways she's just, yeah. you know i i had our intern pull her file um and i, I mean you know not that this is like the be all end all but wikipedia just refers to her as a businesswoman and television personality um yeah let me let her handle her her business damn um <laughs> just do it legally martha uh so okay i think we 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 got it you know. I think we killed it. Yeah. That's uh that's the end of the show. You can subscribe on iTunes and check out individual episodes on SoundCloud. Come find us on Facebook and Twitter at Pretty OK Pod and let us know what you think. And if you ever want to drop us a line and, and tell us what you think uh, we should do for a future show, you can send us an email at it's pretty okay at gmail.com. We will be back again next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Thanks for listening. Bye.